Well, big day today, huge day, October 23rd, Friday. Welcome to Over 50 Starting Over. I'm Barry Edwards. And I'm Merle Garrison. And it is our one-year anniversary. Happy birthday. On the dot, yeah. <laughs> big, big one for us here. We started just a bit early so that we could have a little bit of time to expound on some things. We got a lot of different subject matter that we want to cover, so we might go a little bit longer since it's our one-year anniversary. We're going to allow ourselves a little bit of leeway but we still have some hard stops because we both have a few things to do a bit later. Uh, so Merle, we typically start off with our career slash self-improvement section. And I wanted to, you know, I was wondering about last night where things are today. I started Googling like, what are today's biggest concerns with career? And you know what I immediately uh, realized? I think it kind of goes without saying. What's that? <laughs> 2020 is a whole different ball game. If you looked up an article from 2019, it's a whole different set of concerns than it is in 2020. Oh yeah. Post COVID when the world yeah. changed. Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, I found this chart on civicscience.com. I'll post these uh, links in the show notes, but uh, it talks about, it asks, how has your job been impacted by the recent COVID-19 pandemic? And still working as usual or more. 41%, the majority go with that. The majority is only 41%, but 41% are still working as usual or more. Next up is at 23% working as usual or more, but remote. And that would be Lisa. Mm. So I think there's a little bit of good news here. You might as well combine those two and say that at 64%, people are reporting still working as usual or more. Right, so that's a positive. Because right. I, okay. I didn't think it would quite be that much. Did you? Hmm. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a little surprising, I guess. But then when you think about it, if uh, unemployment were, what is that? Like sixty percent uh, that we're talking about right now. 60 uh, sixty-four percent. I got three other stats. It'll uh, well, if if unemployment talking. were up thirty-five percent, then people would be panicking, and it would be yeah. you know hair on fire. Well, I mean, just to pause it, comment on what you said there. I am worried sick about this second wave of coronavirus coming and shutting us down again. How do we survive? Worried in shutdown? sick. No, no pun intended. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. Um, yeah, how do we survive another shutdown? That's what I want to know. Well, you know, uh, that's, uh, I mean, I know we're going to get into more of that, but it, it seems like there's one party that seems to be bent on shutting down and another one that is bent on opening up. So it's, it's a lot's going to depend on this election coming up in less than two weeks what is it Thank like God. 11 days mm -hmm. i can't yeah. wait for that to be over with but we got plenty to talk about there later right 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 all right so next up on this chart there's three more stats working but reduced hours slash pay 14 percent. that's not as bad as i thought it would be no no okay next i'm sure they're grateful that they're at least working yeah not working but still getting paid five percent thought that would be higher because i know a lot of people that sat around doing nothing for six months making big money off the government hmm. yeah it seemed like yeah. a lot of people 
Uh, it's hard to that that one's hard to believe. But go yeah, on. that one also it it pissed me off because the government did nothing for me in the gig economy other than that twelve hundred dollars mm-hmm. stimulus check. Yay, thanks. Um, but it's at the same time. On the other hand, those stimulus checks, no matter where they went out, they went back into the economy. Everybody was like redoing their patios and landscaping and uh, fencing. And you couldn't buy any of this stuff at Home Depot. So many people were just uh, staying at home and investing in their homes and stuff. So that kept the economy afloat, regardless of how you see it. You know, I didn't get to personally benefit directly, but I indirectly did by the economy not crashing and going into a depression. You know what I mean? Yep. We're going to have to pay the piper though on that whole thing. I mean, we're talking, you know, multiple trillions of dollars of uh, stimulus packages. And we're not done yet. We talked about that, but uh, those aren't aren't just going to go away. It wasn't free money that we're talking about here. And that represents a gigantic portion of our typical gross national product that somehow we're going to have to make up. And we were already over $20 trillion in debt. So, I mean, they're just throwing these trillions of dollars out like, you know, it's, it's butter. Just, it's just numbers on a computer these it days. It doesn't matter. When you think about what a trillion dollars is, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's overwhelming. You can't it's even unfathomable. Fathom. Right. You, you can't even really fathom a million, let alone a billion. But when Let you, alone a trillion. When you think about a trillion dollars. Impossible. Yeah, it's, you can't even. Ah, can't. It's just another zero at the end. It really is. And, you know, I mean, it, 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 I understand what you're saying. I think, you know, some of this had to happen. But um, the way that they talk about this money, it's, <laughs> I guess, uh, our kids are going to have to pay for this, and so are our grandkids. Yeah, we've been saying that for our entire generation already. We just got deeper into right. it. Way and deep. finally, yeah, finally on the chart, last and least, not working and not getting paid, 18%. 18. Okay, that's, that's big. That's a big number right there. That's a big bad number. That yeah. is. Yep, yep. Um, So with that, I do have a little bit of a positive. Um, Okay. You know, about a year ago, there was a time when uh, we covered like some of the jobs that were out there for people over 50 starting over. Well, they're different now. (laughs) That's what I went back to look at. Interesting. uh, This is another link I have from CNBC.com. I'll leave the link in the show notes. And it is about these 15 jobs will be in high demand over the next five years, some with salaries topping $80,000. 15 jobs. They're much different than they were a year ago because of uh, what coronavirus has done to the market. So I'm going to go through quickly a couple of them. We could, you know, anything you want to comment on. Okay. Let me know. But uh, we're going to start with the lowest paying jobs first. Home health aid. There's virtually no real experience needed for this. You, you, you go in and help people that are on a ventilator at home kind of thing. That's my gist mm. out of it. It's only averages uh, $12 an hour, though. But mm. readily available. Need them everywhere. All right. Uh, so these jobs are readily available. A nursing assistant. Okay, not a nurse, but a nursing assistant. Uh, average salary of twenty eight five. Okay, so we climbed up there a little bit. And it's, uh, their duties include pa- uh, taking patients' vital signs, helping patients with hygiene, yuck, serving food did, and did, main... 
Did you say 28? That's a year? Are we talking? Yes. Okay. Annual, All right. Average oh, annual boy, salary. That sounds like five. a tough job for 28.5. Uh, it is, but it's a step up to say the least from the $12 an hour job that we right, just talked about. Right. Well, that uh, last must thing. be certified. You need a certification in your state. Uh-huh. Usually certifications aren't that big of a deal though. You know, and if you're the uh, second person bringing in income into your family, right, that could work out very well. Yeah. Uh, so we take a, a little bit of a step up with construction worker, which by the way, I don't know how your weekend was, but I spent my Saturday working with my brother on my mom's oh, yeah. deck and tearing apart this gigantic deck uh, to tear it off in the spring. We're going to put up a brick patio. Oh boy, let me tell you, I was sore. I was really sore. And I, oh, like, I can imagine. I like this kind of work, but it was mostly like kind of tearing off the railings and uh, the little railings that go in, go in between the hand railings kind of thing. That was kind yeah. of fun because it's like total <laughs> destruction. And you see like, oh my God, I just tore off the whole side of the deck just like that, boom. But what got to me uh, was taking out all the floorboards. Mind you, this is a very big deck. So we had to take out all the nails, which are buried into the, the two by sixes, deeply uh-huh. buried. So you take this metal claw, pound it down to get it underneath the nail head with a hammer. We're talking probably four or 500 nails. Ooh. It was exhausting to that. My back, my lower back gets to me. Yeah, yeah. Just bending over to get anything. Shoulders. You could hurt yourself just bending over to tie your shoes. And these days. that's what we did all day. <laughs> and then hefting these like, you know, 15, 16 long two by sixes to take right. them away into the tr- truck. It's hard work, man. And I'm going to say that, you know, I'm going to be 55 in January. So I've noticed in the past couple of years how I get more sore from this than I used to, but not that much more. I'm just saying it's hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but Hey, uh, no injuries. That's a, that's a good, go. uh, a good that's, thing right there. That's always a plus. Cause I'm usually cutting yeah. off part of a thumb or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you did that with your brother, right? You said yeah. You oh, and it was a beautiful, yeah. Beautiful day. I love working with my brother. Um, right. it's, I mean, so it's a big, long day, a lot of fun. And, uh, but at the end of the day, he wanted that go have some beers and I'm like, ah, can't do it. Sober October. Sober October. <laughs> He's like, you're useless. Uh, so anyways, there's a uh, number three is construction worker and um, just clearing construction sites or putting together scaffolding for buildings. There's all kinds of unskilled labor that you can get started on. And you can start at an average salary of 31.5 for that. So Especially, you know, if you live in an area where you get a lot more outdoor access uh, full year round than I do, I think that wouldn't be so bad. Just to be, I love being outside, you know. I understand what you're saying. Unfortunately, a lot of those areas, the cost of living is much higher. So Ah, you got to factor that in there too. Um, Well, that's the average and it's going to be higher in those areas and lower. Yeah. 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 Okay. Number four, physical therapy aid. And this is, you know, somebody that helps a physical therapist. Now, a physical therapist has to go through a lot of education. That's true. Aid obviously does not. And this aid can start off an average salary of 33.2. Have you ever noticed how cool physical therapists are? I, I mean, I've, I've had, partaken I've had for sure. Them. 
Me yeah, too. Me, me too. But they, okay, so one thing I've noticed is that they have they all have like this really cool personality and everything, but they're torture artists. Oh my, yeah, that's that's how you think of them. I I've had quite the opposite experience. Not now, I agree with you that they are skillfully trained, I guess, in bedside manner. Like they're, ah, they're lovable. Awesome. They're all yeah, they are. lovable. Like you, like you, you, you want to go say, oh, I, Joe. My friend. Yeah. <laughs> True. Like, but, I'll, I'll twist it a pretzel like this. And I've I, not, I, see, I, I always push myself and they always like, okay, that's enough. That's oh, enough. Okay. All right. I've, had, I've had a couple of uh, experiences that where they've made me actually cry. I mean, I remember I had that shoulder surgery uh, yeah, several years ago. Oh yeah. my gosh, that was terrible. And uh, I, oh, yeah. I was in great pain. And then after I had my surgery, they were making me do stuff. It was, it was just, it was terrible. terrible. Interestingly, coming out of my volleyball amateur career, about 12 years ago, uh, I had to do a extensive physical therapy. I was sure I was going to have to get re rotator cuff surgery. Oh, that's but a, that's physical therapy enabled me to dodge that. You know, uh, that was proponent. actually the time where they, the first time I had physical therapy, and I remember thinking that it was going to be like, ah, a massage or something like that. But <laughs> <laughs> I was Rude awakening. I was fooled, right? Exactly. Wait, one story I got to just say. Go they gave me this thing that it was one of the only things that uh, gave me comfort was I would go in and they'd, they'd hook these electrodes up to my shoulder and everything. Oh, that's cool. They'd turn this device on and it would it would pulse this mm. electrical I've impulse. And it, it did actually give me uh, relief. And I was in great pain. And I remember my my physical therapist felt compassion for me and said, look, if you want to take this thing home, why don't you take it home for the next couple of nights until I see you again? So I, I took it home and I hooked it. I was kind of excited about this. I hooked it up and everything because any kind of relief for pain when you're like in, in chronic pain is yes. like an oasis. And I, yes. I turned it up. Well, I didn't realize I, you know, it has like a volume on it. I guess they had the volume set at like two or three, but I'd accidentally turned it up to 10, you know. Amplification. I, oh my God, I, I shocked <laughs> the crap out of myself with that thing. If you I, had hair on your head, it would have been standing on it. <laughs> it would have burnt, it would have been, it would have been fried hair. You didn't have eyelashes for six weeks. <laughs> I actually uh, thought that I'd figured it out and put it back on again and boom, did it all over again. Really? I'm just bringing this thing back. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I got to tell you, Merle, you, once you slacked here, I only just now put it on the side by side because you didn't warn me. Oh, because of me. Yeah. yeah okay. 15, 20 minutes in. Right, right. Okay. You know, it's the one time. you didn't right, remind I'll me. take responsibility because that's the kind of guy I am. Okay, you're you're big on that. Okay, we're only at number five. We're gonna get moving. <laughs> medical number next up is medical technologist. Basically, you're changing bedpans. You check a bodily fluids like blood and urine. I don't want to do that, but you're up to uh, listen to this jump up. You're up to an average salary of fifty six. Uh, they deserve that. Yeah, uh, I mean, come on. I uh, yeah, that's a tough one. I I would have to be in a full body suit for that. One of those you know, <laughs> hazmat hazmat. Hey, like next Darth up, Vader. what do you think would follow medical technologist? You'll never guess. Uh, truck yeah. driver. Oh, 
Okay. Yeah. So you get a um, thousand dollar a year jump up in average salary, 57, six. Okay. And I mean, if you think about this, Amazon has gone through the roof, especially during COVID. You know? This is one industry that had, that really did well during, during COVID. Yeah. And truck I, drivers were an essential part sure. of keeping things going. And how and easy is that? Guys. All you need is a know. driver's license. Well, true, but gosh, can you imagine? I mean, I used to think this would be a cool job. I, I, I don't know. They, oh, they, I used to driving watch across King country. I used to watch King of Queens. That guy was a UPS driver. Uh, his buddy like reminded me of you. It was, you know, it was like the best life. Yeah. Best life ever. You know? I okay, maybe local truck like that kind yeah. of local driving would yeah. be okay. But over the over the road, like having to drive from here to over to your house in a truck, that would be, be that would be tough. And plus the places that these guys have to stay and sleep and I mean they're they're a lot living sleep a, in their truck. They're living in an in existence that you and I, I mean, this is day and night here. I don't know. And plus yeah, the loneliness. Right. You talked me out of it. Jeez. Okay. All right. Don't, don't do that job. Yeah. Okay. Number seven, operations research analyst. And uh, I didn't know what this was. I quickly read about it. It's uh, right. so analyzing, it analyzing and collect, collect data about operations in a given company. Wow. Oh. They speak to staff to identify problems in workflow. Sounds like you need a bit of like a consultation, a background. Mm. Uh, identify problems in workflow like my guy that does lean. Devise solutions right, right. for the problems. Yeah, this is like my lean guy using statistical simulations. Yeah, I mean, there's some oh, people, but, that's their personality. But this is great news for my lean guy who's gone back out on his own, leaving the consultation company. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's uh, plenty of room for this average salary 61.4. So we get another mm -hmm. little bump up here. Uh, requires a bachelor of science degree in operation research, statistics, mathematics are related fields. So there you go. Number eight is a financial advisor. Mm. Now this is a tricky one to me. Like how do you, it, it always seems to me like if you're such a good financial analyst, why are you trying to get my money? <laughs> aren't you a millionaire no that's how they become millionaires exactly uh they need so your money that's what it is to help individuals manage their personal finances that might include planning short and long-term goals navigating debt repayment and helping select investments so there's that um you need to obtain yeah. certain licenses and another sure that's another job that sounds that not for me I totally agree. That is an average salary of 66000 though. So another job. Gotcha. At yeah. number nine, uh, rounding the corner here, health services administrator. Ooh, that sounds tough. I mean, that sounds like dealing with a lot of people and a lot of bureaucracy. I know yeah. because Lisa is in that field. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A quick uh, rundown on the description. First, I'll say, but you got to uh, bump up to 70,000 on that. I think that's a little underpaid average. I think that's a little underpaid for what you have to go through here, but uh, responsible for various operations of a hospital and health related and other health related organizations. 
ordering and maintaining record of supplies, snooze, creating schedules ugh, for employees, updating pers personnel about policy changes. Yuck on all of that. No Late, kidding. Uh. Re closely related, a registered nurse at number 10. Uh, almost the same pay, 70,003. Okay, that's actually hard to believe because I'm hearing nurses actually get paid pretty well, and that that seems kind of low right there. Well, it's on an average, and if you think that most of our states are flyover states, I hate that term. I don't, I don't like that either. Fly, yeah, very derogatory. Yeah, but it, you're it, talking it, it, a lower it, it, cost of living, you know. So true, true. There's a, and also when you say registered nurse, doesn't that require quite a bit of education it sure does and not easy that is a tough road not only that these guys nurses are working 12-hour shifts they're dealing with this whole covid thing they're and you know i work my industry we work with nurses we understand that nurses are being interrupted every five minutes in their in their position so they're doing their job and every five minutes, something else comes up to distract them and interrupt them. Can you imagine trying to get anything done and people's no. lives are depending on you? This would be maddening. And I, not to mention you're in a hospital for 12 hours. Oh, yeah. Everything you just said, I totally agree. The responsibility. You are huh. almost a doctor. I mean, it, you're it, administering fact, medicine, treatments, and teaching patients and their families how to manage illnesses and injuries. That's, That's right. a lot of responsibility. That is right. And the doctors 100% depend on these nurses' expertise. Many times the nurse knows way more about what's happening with the patient than the doctor does. These yeah. people are saints. Yeah, I totally agree with you. So I don't know, at 70,000 average salary per year, I think that's a really tough job with a lot of education. Um, but right. what they're saying is there's a very high demand for it, right? There now. is. So there if you really want to is. make a career change and um, that's something that you just love helping people, you better love helping people if you go into that. You know, some of these nurses, they get into traveling nurses too. So uh, there's so many opportunities to see really even the world. You, you can go anywhere. You're going to have a job no matter where you go as a nurse. There's, there are a lot of benefits to being that. And if you love this kind of work, mm -hmm. you know, it's a, it's a great investment. And the world needs more compassionate people that, uh, that have that inside of their DNA. So God bless them. God bless them. Because as you said, long, hard hours. Jeez. And walking awesome. around on that floor, they say that nurses are doing about seven miles a day in, during their shifts. And think about it. They're on that hard floor, too, which has got to be tough on the shins. But I think they most of them wear tennis shoes, which is they definitely do. you better go that route. You yeah. Know, good soles on those. Take shoes. care of those feet. Mm -hmm. That is right. Okay. So next at number 11 is web developer. Something uh, that's ah. a part of my uh, yeah. job description. Oh, building client websites using coding languages and uh, depending on the job, an applicant may be required to have a bachelor's or uh, associate's degree in web development, design programming, and other relevant fields. So yeah, that I heard that job is easy. Oh, yeah, super easy. <laughs> so that's if you want to work in corporate America, ad agencies, something like that. But uh, at 72000 per year average salary, if that is where your aptitude lies, I think that's a great way to go. 
Number 12, physical therapist. Okay, so we worked uh, our way up to there. Okay, at, we went at, from an aide to the actual therapist. Yeah, and it's the nearly, torture artist. And nearly uh, average salary is 75 grand a year. So hey, how much was that aid making? Uh, I don't recall. I think it was like 34. Wow. Yeah, I, I could go Not back, but then half. I'll lose my place. I, don't want I guess that's about half. Mm -hmm. All right, now you're going to make me go back. All right, I'm going to tell you for sure. Uh, physical therapy aid 33. You're right. Half. Yeah. Wow. Oh. So we all know Get over there, punk. Therapy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> manage and, you know, manage the pain. You got, it takes quite a bit of, uh, so exercise, stretching, other various equipment. It takes quite a bit of, um, education. And, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. I mean, they, they're practically half, doctors. Yeah. The, what yes. they have to do, and but they're almost a, like coaches or, you know what I mean? Like you get, you're, it seems like a, if you could get into this, it seems like a really cool job. And you get to I meet agree. a lot of cool people. You know, a lot of people I've, I've heard of uh, in years gone by go to school looking to be a sports therapist because they think it'd be cool to be on like the Cleveland Brown sideline yeah. helping people out, which I get. Or, you know, and in the training room, helping out the, the big shots and all that. But yeah. I got to tell you, somebody that just enjoys working out and is as active as I am, uh, I could, I would be quite happy, I think, working at a hospital, giving physical therapy to average everyday people. I think that would be pretty rewarding. I, I think, I, I think that's that. something you would enjoy. I can yeah. see, and I could see you have a personality like, like that, that uh, would, would go well. I'm sure you'd have a great bedside manner too. Ah, uh, well, thank you. Never gave yeah. it a thought until yeah. just now, but wow. uh, you do need licensed. I don't know what that takes, but yeah, I think yeah. that would be, you know, for the right person, I think that would be a very rewarding way to go. Next up, exactly what I would not want to do. Information security analyst. Oh, hum. Um, <laughs> I almost yawned. Exactly. <laughs> Keep, it gets worse. Keep computer systems safe by monitoring for potential breaches, implementing the use of security infrastructure in a given company. Should I go on? No, no, but, I get it. Exactly. But, uh, but when you think about some of the stuff these guys are dealing with, with ransomware and stuff oh, like that, it's I mean, bad, there's, man. A, there's, there's some evil, evil hackers. I mean, they, they're in order to be a hacker, you gotta be, you gotta have some intelligence. Genius, right? You man. can't, you can't yeah. just hack into something, but using it for something like that. So evil. I just read about a hospital system that got shut down by some ransomware, their whole electronic medical record, right. they're not able to use. So, okay, so you're a patient in the hospital and you're, you're staying, you're, you know, you're in there, you're overnight or whatever, you're getting a, a, some type of a, a procedure done. And now all the records, all your health records gone. They, there's nothing they could do or you're in the middle of surgery Did that really happen yes because i and thought they is, were kind of put on an internet kind of thing that they're they no longer are. local uh, they are however if you have anything on your network let's say for instance you you have a a, a windows uh system that is not updated that's that's meat for that's fresh meat for a hacker to be able to any vulnerability that they can find in your network, they'll be able to get in. And so the way it works is they'll shut down the lifeblood of your hospital, which is the electronic medical record <clears throat> until you pay them some humongous amount of money. I mean, it's, they're actually holding all these patients 
ransom until they get paid. And then they've got ways that the Bitcoin or whatever they call that, they've Mm -hmm. got ways to anonymously be able to get paid and everything. This is terrible. To this point, I've never gotten the Bitcoin thing too much other than it seems to be a great way to blackmail people. And that's what, that's what it's being used for. And these, uh, these, these scoundrels are able to do that. Scoundrels. Taking advantage of, these poor people that you know could be your your mother or your grandmother or whatever inside of this hospital and then all of a sudden you know what do you do they've got to pay this money and and you can't uh, expect the police or the fbi to settle that whole thing and that's what these guys that you're talking about protect against it's got to be pretty stressful i i would imagine Listen here, see, no scoundrels over here on, on my watch. <laughs> what, 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 the guy that lives over by you, you showed me his, um, his campaign sign. I forget his name now, the, the news guy with the mustache. Oh, Geraldo. Yeah, yeah. That, yes. Those are the words that he would wear. That, the That's dastardly. Sturdy, yeah, dastardly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, we're almost done here. Oh, and 13 information security analyst brings in an average of 81.5. So at number 14, equally as boring, statistician. Uh, Rather than analyze data in a given field such as agriculture or health. Data. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but you're up to 83.2. Yeah, but look what you got to do. You're going to beat yourself. You beat your head against the wall with all this data. Unless that's what you love. It's again, it's personality type. You know, if you love it, then you've already gotten your master's degree in mathematics, mathematics, statistics, or survey methodology. Right, right. This is why I majored in communications. And your name is probably Poindexter. Poindexter. Uh, Okay. (laughs) And last, and certainly not least, the 15 is software developer, which is more creative. It's okay. a, a definitely a combination left brain, right brain, the whole thing. I get right. this. Uh, creating software to meet users' needs, design computer programs, smartphone applications, uh, which designing games, I think, would be fun. Yeah, and, I think uh, so too. Yeah, <clears throat> make sure tech runs smoothly. Another so, personality type. I've had to deal with a lot of software developers and they're much like the physical therapists. They all seem to be pretty cool guys. Yeah, I totally agree. In fact, uh, my one renter in our rental property is looking for a job in software development. He is a software developer. And this is the last one, the highest paid of all of these 15 this on is the average. 87. Uh, on average, this is 105. Ooh. Yeah. So there you have Wait, it. Wait, drum roll. Yeah, there, yeah. Why would we do a drum roll at this point? Oh, I thought it was. I thought there was one more. It's the software developer making the hundred k, hundred plus k. Okay, all right, no drum yeah. roll. So they are number one. So there you have it for our career section of O five O, and just hoping that everybody is getting by in a satisfactory way while COVID continues to go on. I'm hearing some things, Merle, about. Now I think I'm hearing about six different vaccines, treatments that are going into, that are in human trials. Yeah. I'm hearing a difference in terminology now, rather than when you say vaccine, you think cure. I'm hearing more treatment. 
kind of mm-hmm. verbiage now. What about yeah. you? You know any, anything new on this front? Because I am tired of COVID. I am too. It's, you know, I don't, I, I haven't uh, really looked at the difference. Uh, I, I've been hearing treatment for a long time, but I didn't realize that vaccine was a treatment rather than a, a vaccination. Like you're, you're done. Sort of like the polio vaccination or the smallpox vaccination. Like right. if you had that, you're not getting it. Exactly. Uh, so are you hearing differently? I'm hearing more terms like treatments, managing making things more manageable. Uh, it, it just sounds like they're softening up the verbiage on things. Well, one of the things that we're finding out is that there are treatments like rendisivir and other things. You know, when the president got uh, COVID-19, he, they, they were using the latest treatments that they have for COVID-19. And apparently over the last several months, they've made some pretty good progress as far as treatments go. <clears throat> and at the same time, what we're seeing is that the there is a an evolution to these viruses where they they start out one way and then they became they become less less deadly over time and that is seemingly what we're seeing out there but i am hearing that this these there are several companies out there like johnson and johnson that have that are right on the cusp of being able to produce a, a vaccination. And I don't believe that those are vaccinations where they're considered treatment. I think those are, you take it and you're not, you're immune. Yeah. But I thought va- uh, Johnson and Johnson got shut down along, along with another one got shut down for a while because there was like inflammation of the spine and stuff like that. But Moderna, that. or yes, Moderna, that's the other big one that I've heard is moving yeah yeah same here that's about the extent of what i know off the top of my head yeah if we go any further we're gonna we're probably gonna get sued so yeah and i let it go <laughs> all right look we got a lot that i would really like to cover and how much time we're gonna spend i don't know but for about two months we've been threatening to talk about a, a very big uh issue that is a cultural issue and it's the differences between men and women the, the new I guess you call it third wave feminist movement and the effects of all this, how the, how the far left is taking this, in our opinion, a little too far. Can we finally cover that in our one year anniversary episode, along with, we still have to get to the debate, some things that were supposed to transpire there that got uh, shut down at the last. Yeah. Amazing, amazing stuff. Yes, we can cover that. All right. Well, that let's start with the differences between men and women, the so-called third wave feminist movement, uh, jump in wherever you want. I don't have it, uh, completely thought out how I wanted to get it started, but I'll just say that I grew up as the, uh, son of a feminist during, you know, for the most part, the seventies. And uh, it did me no favors because it, I, I think that, and you know, I don't want to, slight my mother on here because she's always been an idealist, a typical, very liberal idealist of how if we all just took response. And here's the thing that liberals used to stand for. If you take personal responsibility, everybody would live in a utopia. The new far left is all about no personal responsibility. I agree. I wonder how I guess I have my theories of how that got twisted. Well, you know, here's, here's one thing is that, uh, and, and you and I have had 
discussions about this, but I don't believe that liberals and you say far left, I just say left. I don't think, I don't think they have anything in common, to be honest with you. I I, I just, I don't, I don't, I see you're, you're a liberal, Mm -hmm. uh, but you don't have anything in common with the left. The left is different than the conservatives and liberals. We can get along. But you're right. I don't think liberals and leftists can get along. Yes. And certainly conservatives and leftists can't. So if your mom is in that that liberal camp, I now, don't know. Now far I think left. That's, oh, this is what this is what happened. Moved. Well, this is what happened. They don't think they did. Is if you were a liberal that watched CNN for the last 30 years. Uh, to you, you you think that you're in the same spot and the whole rest of the world moved on you. Well, now, isn't that interesting? Because hasn't, I mean, think about CNN when they first came out. What a credible news source they yes. were. Yes, that's and the point. Where that's are the we point. now? I, yeah, I, I have examples just from watching them last night. It's just, are you kidding me? This mm-hmm. is an alternate universe we're, we're looking at here. If you have any degree, if you actually... Uh, have any degree of unbiasedness, then you've watched them go crazy uh, into the fake news world. Right. Uh, they're tabloid all right. the way. And, right. uh, but so, if, if, you were a tr- if you were a traditional liberal that trusted in CNN and that was your news source and you kept it on the TV like a lot of people do, they'll keep it on the TV damn near all day right, um, right. in the background. Yep. That, you've gotten brainwashed. Over time, yeah. slowly but surely, you got in brainwashed, and that's where the far left has come from, along with the infiltration of the education system. And we've talked a lot, but what we're really getting at is what has happened in the feminist movement now. So back in the seventies, it was very real, very valid. Uh, women were just really entering the workforce. By the way, when my mother entered the workforce in what was then called the welfare department, because again, idealist, she wanted to help society do the right thing. She very quickly outpaced my, my father, who was in the trades, as far as pay goes. Is that right? In the 70s, by the late 70s, she, wow. I, I'm, at least early 80s, she was making more than my father. What an and accomplishment. Yeah, and a benefit, working for the government and yeah, stuff. Right. So my point to all that is, is the feminist movement made a lot of good, solid, positive progress very quickly. And things had changed very quickly in our society. When I say very quickly, I'm talking over a 30-year span, which Mm -hmm. is very quickly Mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of things. Mm -hmm. So I I look at uh, friends and family like Lisa, who went through corporate America since the late 80s, getting out of college uh, through the 90s, she witnessed a lot of sexual harassment throughout the 90s. So imagine, think about where we were back then. And when you see today, the Kavanaugh, we witnessed recently the Kavanaugh hearings, where they're reaching back 30 years ago to a different day and age. Yes. Trying to apply today's morality to back then, which, boy, those, that kind of manipulation, that's what that's where I get really burned up and it makes me go so far against the, the far left movement that uh, I all of a sudden look far right, still a liberal, still believe in equality for everybody, equal playing uh, field for everyone. But back to what I was saying. So Lisa went through all of that and witnessed the, the very accepting sexual harassment of the nineties, but, mm. As we got through the into the 2000s, very quickly, 
that turned around and it didn't take long before human service departments would just the mere mention whisper of sexual harassment they would be getting lawyers on the phone uh, right right you know men would be worried about their entire career so uh, I'm sure that you have your industries like Hollywood, entertainment, and stuff like that, where sexual uh, harassment is still part of the game. But for the most part, you know, it's really difficult, though, because men and women are attracted to each other in completely opposite ways. This is where we get into what's wrong with the feminine, feminist movement, because when you put, as soon as you start to point out differences, uh, the left starts getting crazy and starts calling you sexist. It is not right, sexist right. to address what is scientifically evident and objectively evident. So I think you're right. We're vi- well, and I'll go as far as to say that in, even in the seventies, the movement went so far uh, where, as I'm saying here, if you start pointing out differences between the sexes, you'd start being called a male chauvinist pig. That was big back then. And, so they're already shaming you. And it, and it got to the point, like with me being raised by a feminist, uh, I was taught that male, just being masculine was shameful. Like we were just, there is something, we were at fault in some mm. way for being more mm-hmm. aggressive, for <clears throat> being boys, this, that, or the other. Well, that caused a lot of anxiety in me growing. Oh, so we're imagine. the same. We're equal. We're the same. I start dating. And it took me a couple decades to figure out how different we were. I mean, so like, why are you crying? That's what happened to you. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, we're just so different that it finally took some guy in the 80s, I didn't look it up, but to finally write a book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. And everybody went, oh, my God, this guy's saving the world. You know, every psychologist is like, you got to read this book. It's because yeah. It's now, I, I wonder. I wonder how well received that book is today. Because we that, need to reissue it today. I mean, that goes. That flies in the face of of the feminist movement that's out there. And I don't even know if you would even call it feminist anymore, because so many men actually believe that the exact same thing. It's uh, that men and women are virtually the same. We are created equal but we are not equally created. There you go. Uh, Perfect. We we have, there are differences between us. Our physical stature is different. Uh, Number one, we think differently. We, and, and very complimentary by the way. Yes. And this is a, this is a strength. I mean, in my marriage, my wife thinks very differently than I do. And what, when you put those two thought patterns together, it, provides a fortress of safety for us and uh, although we have disagreements sometimes thank god she thinks the way that she does um, and I, I, w- I hope that she would say the same thing about me but you know there are certain things that I am very focused on as far as taking care of the family and there are other things that she's focused on and you know what it's such a blessing because I don't have to worry about those things she's got that and uh, the things that she doesn't have, I've got that. And so that's what I mean about this fortress of safety. Between us, we've got all the angles covered. But uh, if you try to eliminate that whole thing, I mean, for instance, we had a situation where somebody tried to break into our house. Mm. And uh, now if, and, and this was in the middle of the night, 
<clears throat> Anne Marie and I were both sleeping on the couch in the in the living room, and somebody's trying to break into my house. It's a crazy guy. Now, if we were equal, she. I would expect, well, why don't you get up there and prevent <laughs> this guy from coming on in here? I mean, shoot, we're equal, aren't we? Uh, <clears throat> but no, I, that, that's not, that's not even a discussion. Sure, of course not. I was right there uh, with a, a big uh, metal thing ready to, you know, swing away if the guy comes in the door to protect my wife. And uh, fortunately, it didn't come to that. And, the, and fortunately, the police had gotten there before anything actually en ended up happening. But I'm just saying. Because that was like the third door that he was trying to beat down. He had broken into, into two of my neighbor's houses before he got to mine and actually made it into the house. Oh. Uh, into, the, into one of my neighbors, he made it into their bedroom. It was about 2 o'clock in the morning. And oh. uh, they, they're standing on top of the bed. The wife is screaming and the husband is saying, what do you, what, what do you want? And he says, he's looking for his wife. And said, well, wow. She's out of here. Um, funny story on the way out of that particular house. He, he then bursts open into the teenager's room who was up late working, doing something on his computer. And, uh, he, he, he knocks the kid over and looks into this kid's closet looking for his wife. And, wow. Uh, I was, I've always wondered, I wonder what that kid was looking at on the computer late <laughs> at night when this ravenous dude comes in looking for his wife. That, that had to be horrifying for that kid. But anyhow, he showed, showed up at my house next. And fortunately, the police had already been called by the other two neighbors. That's why they, the police got there so fast. Right. But anyhow, uh, back to the thing. Well, I wouldn't expect my wife to to get up there and physically protect me like that. That that's my job, and I and I, I pride myself on protecting my wife. That's that's my duty to do that as the as the man in the in the relationship, and that somehow has become a bad thing. Yeah, it certainly has. Oh boy, I, something on the tip of my, oh, what I wanted to say is, so you were talking about how we have very complimentary personalities and I completely agree. Now, as soon as I say that, I have to say on average here, for the most part, there are people that are different. You definitely have people that are gay. You have people that are bi. You have transsexuals. Is it not transsexuals? Trans, mm. whatever it is. Trans. Be careful there because that's changing. That's evolving. And if you say the wrong thing, apparently you're uh, you're anti-gay. No, no, no ill intent. I'm saying of that course there are, not. There are smaller percentages of people that are different. So I'm talking about on average. Right. The average. Uh, we are really like one whole human being that's been completely torn and half but put together that but we put are put together like gears on a clock it's how we fit that's exactly right and i mean just out of the bible you know we become one flesh yeah I, I, I see so that in i'm mind. back in exactly backing up what you what you're saying i think it was you and i it may have been your brother scott and i we were talking about fairly recently about this and we laugh because i said um if it weren't for women we'd all just be us guys would be happy living under oh. bridges it would, it would be an ugly, stinky world that we would Yeah, in. Scott's like, yeah, we just need a grill with some hot dogs. We have mustard on our shirts. <laughs> you know, <some laughs> I, I, think, I think the most popular guys would be the stinkiest guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> is, exactly. Oh, boy. Yeah, so that guy should I, be president. 
I mean, really, uh, women keep us, uh, they save us from ourselves because Absolutely. we could be completely self-destructive in our primitive nature when let uh, out, of, out of control. Which but, reminds me, last night I was going for my, my nightly walk and uh, it's, it's finally gotten chilly out here and I'm going out the door oh, nice. and, and Anne-Marie is going, wear a jacket. And I'm going, no, I'm not wearing a jacket. The more she said to wear a jacket, the more I didn't want to wear a jacket. And I yeah. didn't. And I didn't want to admit to myself about a half mile down the road, I, man, I should have worn a jacket. <laughs> totally. Totally. I got home and I told roll. her, you know what? I was sweating on my walk. And she goes, that's because I prayed for you. <laughs> Too funny. Too funny. But what has happened now in this, I, for some reason, it seems to be called third wave feminist movement. And what is happening now, and is very pronounced in the Scandinavian uh, countries, is they are very concerned with outcomes rather than uh, equal opportunity. Totally believe in equal opportunity, but they want to make sure there's equal outcomes. And I saw a yes. Jordan Peterson interview where he was being interviewed by three different Scandinavian experts of whatever you know one's a journalist one's some kind of social psychologist one and they didn't know what to say to him because he was just telling them all of this you know the one lady's like well we want our boys to play with dolls so they get in touch with their feelings and stuff mm -hmm. like that and jordan peterson has made his uh claim to fame uh by posting his lectures on youtube which is youtube is like 80 percent male the audience and males have really, really picked up on this because they're finding a solace in, oh, he's saying that I could be normal, masculine, that it's okay. Because Peterson, as a nationally renowned, world-renowned psychologist, has recognized the anxiety that is being thrust upon males as they're trying to be raised in an unnatural environment. And being told that Let's talk about toxic masculinity, manspreading, mansplaining, mansplaining, all of this these incredibly sexist, anxiety inspiring terms. You go. Well, the, the, first off, the, the terms themselves sound so derogatory. You're, you're mansplaining. First off, the, the, the word man has become a dirty word. Mm. You know, if you're mansplaining, and I remember the debate between Kamala Harris and, and Mike Pence, and <clears throat> the first time that Mike Pence interrupted uh, Kamala Harris, she said, uh, Mr. Vice President, I'm, I'm speaking. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and then they had a t-shirt with that on it that they were selling the very next day. So they, this was a setup. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But they, the news went crazy with this. This is the commander in chief and mansplaining. Well, if, if a woman interrupts a man, is it, is it woman'splaining? No, it's, it, this is a way to, no, we would say nagging. That. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, <laughs> This is their method to silence men and, and marginalize men for being, for being men. Trying to claim more power. It's like, no, you're equal. We, right. we accept it. You do have equal pay. Don't tell me that because you want more time off with your kids that that's not equal pay. Well, no. here's, here's the other thing is if it's equal, then, then it should be equal. Because if you look at the debate before that between Trump and Joe Biden, 
Well, they were interrupting the heck out of each other. <laughs> were they mansplaining? I mean, <laughs> so, so I'm just saying, so no. if, if they're really, if everything is equal, then everything should be equal. If, yeah. if, 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 if it's going to be one way with two men talking and they, they're interrupting each other, it shouldn't be that you have some type of um, advantage that no one can interrupt you because you're a woman, because that in itself is saying that you're not equal. So mm. therefore you need to have uh, training wheels or something like that in order to be equal. That's not the truth. I go back to what you said, Barry, liberal, a liberal mentality is, <clears throat> and I think conservatives actually agree with this, is that we are, we have equal opportunity. Mm -hmm. And that means that you can, and you could replace Mike Pence with a woman and that woman would interrupt and it wouldn't be woman-splaining or, oh, look, you're mansplaining because you just interrupted me. No, that's just the way politics is. It's an equal thing. And equal anybody rights. Can, yeah, you can be equally as rude or equally as polite. Mm -hmm. That's just how it is. I'm not saying interrupting is a man thing or that it's a good thing. I'm just saying that's what happens in politics, just like in football. If women are going to play football with men, you, you can't say, well, you can only tackle me in this particular way. Mm -hmm. You're going to get tackled the exact same way because it's equal. That's mm -hmm. how it is. That's how it works. It's, right. I think this also plays into this whole thing of, um, you know, like you're saying, I think it's such a great point about this whole equal outcomes versus mm -hmm. equal opportunities. Mm -hmm. This is a huge thing. And this is where you get this whole mentality that if I identify as a woman and I want to go out for the women's track team, then I have, I have, uh, there's, that's like the equal outcome kind of mentality. I get to, then I'll race. It doesn't matter that I'm a man. I identify as a woman. So I should have that opportunity to do this. And it's, what it's doing is it's ruining women's sports. Absolutely. Uh, that's, and that's been happening uh, all over the place and becoming quite an issue. Uh, men just, they have all this testosterone. We have much bigger bones and density. Uh, women have hips that are made for childbearing. Sorry, that triggered somebody, I know. But that is a reality. They don't work as well at running it powerfully in a football game or whatever as a man. We are built, we've been traditionally built to be hunter gatherers and uh, the protectors. Women have been traditionally built to be child bearing uh, beings. Now, the fact that we're sharing these responsibilities, I think, is tremendous, but you can't deny the uh, underlying instincts that are appropriate for both. Well, in you, the point that you're making has been so corrupted. If we take a look at the Democrat, the, the Democrat Party and the debates that they had in the primaries, you had this whole thing about where men supposedly can menstruate. What? You, you don't remember that? Uh, the, I don't. Uh, oh, yeah, that was a big thing. And it was this, this whole uh, thing about the LGBT community and that men uh, should be able to have abortion rights just like what? women. Well, I don't know. I, I didn't hear that, so I can't speak oh, to yeah. it. But I do Look have this thing. I'm not going to go deep into it because of the time thing. I don't want to get off track either. 
I don't even know where I truly stand on abortion because I hadn't given it a lot of research. Oh, I'm not even talking about where we stand on it. Just what man could have one. I mean, that's, so that's, that that's, is that's what really what saying. it is. Yeah, is oh. that a man doesn't have women's internal parts. Men mm. men can't give birth. That's that's a that's that's a physical difference between men and women, and so a man can't menstruate. Uh, they, you know, you could you could physically change through surgery, male parts and female parts, but you can't physically change the DNA of a man or the DNA mm. of a woman. You're still going to have the XY chromosomes are not going to change, and that's where we where we are is that we have been designed to complement each other okay. as okay. men and women, and for some reason, this movement has tried to take that away from us and therefore it weakens our relationships i mean it, it, it this whole um, it increases anxieties it it really does and like for instance um i was taught growing up that um you hold the door for a woman mm -hmm. if she's coming in and that's mm -hmm. that's chivalry and now if you do you might get yelled at if you open a door for somebody i uh, never have i always i do hold the door i do um, too I'm and never going to stop doing that. There is a thing, again, not to get too off track, but there is a thing where politeness and manners uh, are gone today. No please, thank yous, or holding doors or anything else, uh, it seems, is being taught I anymore. Know. I know. It's, it's, it's terrible. terrible. I want to get back to, and I, I hope I'm not cutting you short, but I want to get back to a better further explanation on outcomes, the equality of outcomes versus equality of opportunities. Totally agree. And equal rights. Equal rights is equal opportunities. It is implied in the leftist movement there are not equal rights. People are claiming victim for everything. If there are not an equal, uh, equal rights, I want to know where that is. And let's, let's take a look at it and pass that law because I'm not aware of any any uh anything left out there where well that's funny because i think that the feminist movement would say the reason that you're saying that is because you're a man okay that's uh, true but i'm talking about reading laws on a piece right. of paper no I understand. So it's really cut and dry versus and this is where i want to shed light on things versus equal opportunities scandinavian countries which the left they're very obsessed with and want to mimic um the, uh, they are very concerned with equal opportunities, very concerned that they can't get more women to be successful engineers. That, that's a big thing. Now, and, now think about that. Why do more you think men, that is? Okay, and more ahead. men in the nursing industry. Why do you think that is? It's very simple. Uh, and again, Jordan Peterson explained this. Is men intentionally, uh, instinctually are about things. Men just like things and you could like repairing an, an engine or thinking about how to invent things, engineering. Women are about people, nursing. That is, in, generally speaking, you can do all the studies that you want. You're going to find, do, you, do your control groups, do a large section of the population. These have all been done over and over again. Men are about things. They're interested in things. Women are more interested in people. Now and think that's about the way that. it goes. What a great thing that you're saying right now. For instance, my kids, I have, I have a boy and a girl. Now they're a man and a woman. But when they were kids, you know, my son was building things 
mm-hmm. building blocks, mm-hmm. building things with Legos. Uh, my daughter wasn't because you made him do that. No, that's, he, that, what, that's what he was saying to you. But, but the, hold on. You were letting they him had, be They him. had access to both of their toys. They could yeah. play with either. I didn't make anybody do anything. They, 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 they had separate rooms, but they played together all the time. Sure. He was naturally interested in certain things that she wasn't interested in. They have completely different personality types. Mm-hmm. It's, it's how, we're, how we're made. My mom makes a great point uh, when she talks about, you know, um, why aren't more women in construction? You don't see a bunch of women. You see some women out there. We're not talking about Always outliers. exception. We're talking about why, you know, it's not like they're not trying to hire women in construction. You can't come in and apply for this job. You're a woman. That's not happening. Right. It's just that, uh, and then she says, like, here's another one, is um, why, why aren't, you know, the majority of people that ride motorcycles are men. Not all men, not all women don't ride motorcycles. Lots of them do, which, by the way, I think is really cool. But it's more of a man thing. More men are attracted to that kind of thing. And, and also there's a physical, I mean, you need, it's, it's beneficial to have a, a degree of physical power. What I'm trying to say is women aren't as strong as men and motor- motorcycles are heavy. Physically, yeah, they yes. are. They are. You, yeah, so there's, you don't there's mess that. With that. But dude, we wouldn't have, to your point, we wouldn't have an infrastructure if it weren't for men to design and build it. That's right. Or do the hard physical labor that it That's takes my to point. do it. Again, That's my the point. outliers, women are out there too. We're not saying they can't do it. It's just they don't want to do that. Just like On men average. don't want to do uh, where you find most, mostly women in nursing. But there's men who are very good at it. Sure. Very, very great at it, actually. But sure. for the most part, this is something that more women are attracted to. Exactly. And the, and the point, uh, so the point is, is that when you are so worried about equal outcomes, now you start, okay, you have to lower the bar. I'm back to the Scandinavian countries again. So they want more women to be industrial designers in these kind of professions. So they have to lower the bar. They have to penalize men, the, 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 the top tier of these, to get more women in there who may not be as good. We are doing that in our own uh, higher education systems here in the, in the United States, penalizing Asians because they have, on average, better parenting, a better family nucleus that also uh, puts more of an emphasis on education. It's the values that are instilled. The value in system. Right. Right. Exactly. So we're penalizing them. So people with uh, lesser degrees in that, in that area can rise up and join the ranks. But that makes us weaker as a country. Now, what I believe in all of these instances is if you got a problem with that inferior segment, then develop a program that helps the inferior segment rise. Do a study on why they are down there and help them overcome those problems and be able to join the more elites of that. This is such a such a great point that you're making. And, you know, it, it, this is... This goes beyond just men and women. And it's, it it yes, goes it really back to what Martin Luther King talked about is I, I don't want to be judged by my color. You could substitute other things sex. in there. My sex, uh, my, my, uh, my country of origin, anything. Uh, I want to be judged by the content of my character. Mm. And uh, out here in California, as a matter of fact, they have lowered the 
you know, the, the bar exam that attorneys have to take, they've lowered the, the, the bar, mm-hmm. they've lowered the bar for the bar so that more black people could become attorneys here in the state. Every really? state has, has a difference. So first off, how demeaning is that? That is. As a, as a black person. Yeah. So you lowered the bar. It's sort of like when you go to play golf where you have the, the place where men can tee off from versus the place yeah. where women tee off from. So he, it's the same thing where, uh, yeah. well, if you're black, you can tee off from over here. Here, here you go. Uh, oh. you, you can step up over here. Do you need a boost? You know what I mean? Like, oh. how, how emasculating is that? And the whole thing isn't because black people are dumb. Let's look at the root of the problem. There's a, there's a problem in our areas where black people live with the educational system. Yes. And yes. why is it like that? Well, look at the politics that are happening over there. It's not because black people don't have the capacity. Obviously, they do. But if you rob them of an education, and also back to the Asian uh, culture, if you if you don't have a a dad in the house and a mom that are instilling values that matter about how to live your life, you're you're robbing these people. They're going to come out into society disarmed, and therefore you're gonna you're gonna lower the bar. And now, by the way. That means what, what's going to happen is this, is that if you are in trouble and you need an attorney and you know you that- You don't the want the black trouble, attorney. That's what a systemic racist society actually is. And there that's you what go. we're creating. Agreed. Agreed. But we should stay on subject. And in fact, Merle, maybe we should for now, because we can always come back and revisit right. it. It's endless. This get back into the trans movement. I can go there for about another half hour to an hour right, too. Right. Yeah. Um, but even though we're giving ourselves leeway on our anniversary here, we still got to talk about that debate. The debate. How about that? For, you know what? Uh, I was actually looking forward to this one. I was actually a little bit excited about it because we've really been robbed of the debate season here. That first one that we had with Trump and Pence to me was a almost like a, an asterisk by it because that was a complete disaster. Yeah. Uh, I I did not enjoy that whatsoever. I did think that the one between Pence and, and Harris was uh, noteworthy. I thought that they both did a good job in that debate. But this one, I really thought that um, both of them did their best. I would say that uh, there was a note of um, civil discourse that Civility. was happening yeah. between the two of them, which I, I'm very thankful for. I do think that if you were a Biden fan going into that, that you probably came out of the debate thinking, well, Biden did a great job. And if you were a Trump fan going into that, then you probably thought, well, Trump did a great job. If you're a Biden fan, you probably thought Trump was a big liar. And if you were a Trump fan, you probably thought Biden was a big liar. What do you think, Barry? I think you just summed that up perfectly. I really did, because I, I really pride myself on trying to see both sides. And boy, I really find uh, Trump to be so disingenuous. And his hyperbole of just say, repeating, no, it's really great. We did a really great job, and we're going to do a perfect thing. You know, all of that stuff. I 
it really turns me off and it's insulting to my intelligence. And I do think that he lies quite a bit. But I also tend to think that Biden seems to be in some big lies too. However, <laughs> right. However, I don't know where this is going. It's very interesting. So a couple hours before the debate, I saw news reports that um, Hunter Biden's ex-partner, business partner, was going to be in the audience at the, the debate. And this is a big, big unveiling about uh, because he's admitted to all of the corruption of Hunter Biden and the implications of Joe as well as the big guy or the chairman, that he is the benefactor of 10% of deals here, $3 million there. And, uh, and it sounded like it had all the ring of truth. And then just this morning, I didn't know this, just this morning, Lisa told me that she saw that uh, the Wall Street Journal, the right-leaning Wall Street Journal debunked all of that. And that's why that partner was not at the debate. So within two hours of the debate, the Wall Street Journal somehow debunked all this information. So it once again, seems like the Obama gate of several months ago, where uh, there's all this great big news flying around on the right of all of this criminal activity. And then it just fizzles right out. And this seems like this is happening again. I don't know what to believe anymore. And I'm just going to uh, piggyback on what you said. If you were a Trump guy, you thought Trump did great. If you were a Biden guy, you thought Biden did great. I thought Biden seemed very well rehearsed, though sometimes he stumbled looking for his words. But I think that he was given every question and he rehearsed every one of them to nauseam. Uh, for sure. Yeah, I um, I would say that the the biggest mistake that Joe Biden made was at the very end of the debate when he actually said that he would do away with with the oil industry. Mm. And in this five is, years, right? Isn't that it, it? Yeah, he said he would phase it out. But look, the oil industry is a gigantic section of our economy. I mean, it is. Yeah. It is something like 5% of our economy is in the oil industry. That is, right now we've got 11 million U.S. citizens that are in the oil industry, and many of those people work in the battleground states that Joe Biden absolutely has to win in order to be the president. One of those is Pennsylvania, another one is, is Texas, another one is your state in Ohio, um, <laughs> another one is Florida. And so these are, these are, so he actually, there, there was a whole thing about fracking and would you do away with fracking? And he's waffled on that a lot. Well, he actually said that he never said that he would get rid of fracking and, and Trump challenged him on that. And Biden said, well, then show the video. Well, Trump put the video out there of him saying it several times. And so, you know, this is the interesting thing that these politicians seem to forget that we have YouTube. We can go and we can take a look at it. But I think the big deal last night was him saying that he would get rid of the fossil fuels, that he would get rid of the oil industry. His, his comment was that uh, the reason that he would do that is because the oil industry pollutes significantly. I think that um, he's in he's in big trouble with that with that whole thing, but well, first of all, Merle, for sure, because that's impossible. 
It is 100% impossible because it would bring us into a devastating depression because in that amount of time. Now, if he said over 30 years, I could buy that and I'd also be on board with it because I think naturally we're going to go in that direction anyway. And we should, but over five, that is like not even remotely possible without bringing catastrophic devastation to the entire, the world economy because we play such a big role in it. Well, I agreed, agreed. And I also think that if you're running for president and you're looking to win in these battleground states, that it's probably something you don't want to actually say less than two weeks before the election. Yeah, and, I you know, think. when we take a look at how elections are won, it's not won by the popular vote. It's won by the Electoral College as per the Constitution. So you have to take a look at these states where, where the big marbles are. And many of those states are where oil production is absolutely king. And so if you're saying to these families that live in those states that I'm going to eliminate your way of life, the only thing you know how to do, that is devastating to your chances of becoming the president. So I, yeah. I think that I think Joe Biden handed Trump a gigantic gift in that area. It would seem to me, but you know that those are not his words nor his idea that some experts did some kind of polling and told them to say that, you know, I that's think, what happened. I think that's where the entire thing is really coming apart for Joe Biden is that people are realizing that he's not the one that's architecting his campaign. He's being told what to do in his campaign. And I, but I believe Trump tried to point that out, but I want to go back to this whole thing about the business partner and the, the debunking. Mm. I don't know what the deal is on this whole thing. But here's what I do know is that the first amendment gives us freedom of the press. And I think that this, the bigger story, as we talked about last week is how the press is handling this information. This is a story and the story has been ongoing for some time now, but it's escalated in the last couple of weeks with the Hunter Biden hard drive. Mm. And the hard drive is something that you can't dismiss. There's evidence on there and the evidence is pretty overwhelming, but the mainstream media has come in to say that this is Russian disinformation. And this is where we start to get into the whole 1984 Orwellian mentality that the news media is creating news and they're creating a perception that isn't necessarily the truth. What I would rather see the news doing is going in and doing actual investigative journalism when a story like this comes in and showing us evidence where something is either true or false. And what we've gotten through these stories is not evidence. We've gotten a dismissal. And not only that, but we've actually gotten pure censorship. I was actually watching MSNBC after the debate last night because I thought, you know, I thought Trump did a pretty good job last night. But I bet you if I turn over to MSNBC and listen to what they have to say, I bet you they're going to say just the opposite. And sure enough, that's what happened. I wasn't surprised sure. by that. Sure. But what I did hear was... Um, it was uh, what's the guy the the guy that conflated the story? I can't remember his name now, but mm -hmm. um, he's back in the news now. He'd gotten cut off, and he's on MSNBC. But anyhow, he was interviewing somebody, and he was saying, "Did you 
feel like I felt about this information about the the hard drive and this guy that came out of this alleged hard drive and this alleged story and this alleged information and these alleged emails uh, that uh, it was something we couldn't follow. And they, he was making a smirk when he was saying this and they made fun of it. And, you know, if they have evidence that says this is Russian disinformation or this is all fake, bring it out. That's what I want to hear. But I don't want to hear you demeaning it just because it can't. It's it's supporting a candidate that you don't like. The go-to is always Russia. Why? Uh, because people are dis so distrustful uh, against Russia. I suppose you know, dating all the way back to Cold War days. That I, that's what I suppose. I don't. I've not seen any evidence of any link between to say the least no evidence of any link between Trump and Russia uh, during all this time. Well, this isn't about tr this time. It's not about Trump and a link to Russia, but about Russia's interference with our, well, what we never say. So they're talking also, and more of the smokescreen is about Russia's interference, uh, China, now Iran in the election. And nobody ever mentions how we interfere with their uh, political matters covertly. <laughs> well, we everybody do that does it. Everybody with a computer, every country with a computer does that, tries to, you know, to their best interest. So you're it's making, you're making a great point on this. And, it's some uh, propaganda there. It, it is it, interesting what you're talking about because our, our CIA, that's what they do. They, and they, 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 they disrupt. And, I'm, and yes, you're right. But I'm making a point. The, the whole notion of the CIA was to turn that type of strategy on other countries. However, what we're seeing today is that they've turned inwardly and they're using that same strategy on us, our own people. The, the things that they learned by disrupting other countries, they're doing to us now. Mm -hmm. And uh, boy, I saw a documentary recently where it talked about how the CIA is actually running our news organizations these days. Really? Uh, we, we saw, interestingly, we saw where uh, the, the, what was it, the last debate that didn't actually happen where the guy uh, came from C-SPAN, uh, you know, I was hearing about his involvement with the CIA. There's a lot of weird stuff that happens with the CIA. Just last night, I thought it was interesting that Joe Biden brought up this whole story about uh, Tony Bobolinsky, oh, right. the guy yeah. that you talked about. And uh, Joe Biden, in dismissing it, said that the intelligence community, the of retired intelligence community people signed in, into this and said that this is all Russian disinformation. I thought that was an interesting comment because you have today the FBI, the CIA, and the national, um, the the director of national intelligence, all saying this is there's not a shred of evidence of Russian intelligence here, and th these people aren't necessarily Trump fans that are saying this. this right. is what they're what they're saying, but then you have these people that are retired inte intelligence people that are saying this is Russian and uh, this is Russian disinformation. First off, if you're retired, you don't have access anymore to those top secret lines like the people that are actually in there. And then when you take a look at what happened 
with the CIA, like Brennan and Clapper and Comey, those guys. Well, these guys were probably the guys that Joe Biden was referring to, which we know those were the guys that were trying to throw Trump under the bus with the FISA warrant and the Carter page and the spying on the thing. Of course, they're going to say that. This is a weird time that we live in right now. It feels a lot like the Soviet Union right now. And it does. How, and, and I think that's the, the bigger story here. I was kind of surprised that none of this actually came out in the debate last night uh, about how Twitter and Facebook have suppressed this whole story. And then oh, yeah. you look at the mainstream media who's not actually covering this. And when they do cover it, they call it Russian disinformation. And I feel like that taints the, the voting pool. Why not just investigate it and tell us what the truth is so that we, we, can, we can know one way or another rather than make it this huge shrouded mystery, which I think actually kind of works against their whole agenda in the first place. Maybe it depends on how the percentage of Americans are gullible. And well, I'm, I go back to if you were already going to vote for Biden, I don't think this debate changed anything. You're if you probably were vote right. for Trump. But there is a, a percentage, a small percentage Very in the small. middle that are you know, that, that are going to be very important to this election. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you might be right. I wanted to swing the other way on this because this bothered me a lot about, you know, of course, they always come back to Trump's tax returns, lack thereof, and all of that. Oh, he only paid $750 in taxes last year. And he says over and over again, Oh, I prepaid millions of dollars, millions and millions of dollars. I prepaid in this typical hyperbole. Uh, that sounded like uh, a lie to me. What do you think? I, I can't prove it. Nobody can prove it one way or another right now. But it yeah. sounds like something is going to come back to bite him in the butt. And he's, and he's going to just talk around that in the near future. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, you know, I don't put a lot of stock in that whole thing. First off, I know this, that uh, the top 1% are paying something like 50% of the tax base here in, the, in this country. And certainly Trump fits into that. I don't believe that uh, he only paid $750 uh, in, in, in taxes. I, I really don't believe that. I don't think that's a story, to be honest with you. And the other thing, too, is that there's no constitutional rule or law that says that he has to show that information. We've never had a multi-multi-billionaire. Hold on. We've never had a multi-multi-billionaire who's become the president, ever. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that if you saw how much he made in the first place, that might just be something that would be a negative to begin with. And secondly, when you talk about capital gains tax, this is something that uh, really hurt Romney when he was running. And he had a very hard time trying to defend himself. But investment dollars, cap the taxes on investment dollars are capital gains taxed. And that is at a very much lower rate than your income tax or tax at. And the reason is because there's an incentive in investing in other businesses to grow our economy. But people, are, that is an easy target for people to go after. I personally, if I was him, I wouldn't want to put my tax records out there. 
No, I agree. And I think because it ultimately boils down to that we have tremendous amount of tax advantages for the very wealthy, for those that are investing. And you're saying a tap, capital gains tax, uh, to, the way to avoid that is to sell off one piece of property invested into another. Right. And all of these things, it gets very complicated very quickly. So you're right. That is low hanging fruit uh, for uh, the left for de Democrats to be able to uh, construe it as something very simplistic. That, I, I agree. Uh, and because it, it, it is too complicated to put out there in a digestible manner. So right. it comes right. back to believing what you want to believe. Yes. Once and it's again. very easy to taint it into this is a bad thing. This guy's making way too much money. And look, yeah. he only paid this amount in taxes. That's exactly what Obama did to Romney. And it worked. And Romney yeah. was befuddled. He had no way to defend himself. It was something like, you're paying way less tax than your secretary is paying. And they were talking about the percentage of tax that he pays, not the actual overall amount that he pays. And Warren Buffett came in and jumped all over that. I, I, this is terrible. And well, he's a guy that's made his whole living off of investment. So uh, yeah, he's saying it's terrible, but yet he's laughing all the way to the bank because he's doing the exact same thing. The fact is, is if you ever read that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I highly recommend, mm -hmm. um, it really goes into how you, you know, the mentality of the worker versus the mentality of the rich and the rich don't want to pay, you know, don't want to give all of their money away. Um, and they, and, and therefore the way that they do it is they invest, they invest in businesses and therefore they pay a lower percentage in taxes. But the reason that they're paying lower percentages is so that they can keep reinvesting. Yes, that makes them rich, but what does it also do? It provides jobs. the ability for people to have jobs. This is another area that was in the debate last night concerning minimum wage. And I thought that was an interesting part of the debate. And, you know, it's easy, like to your point, Barry, it's very easy to say, oh, yeah, these people should get paid more. Look how hard they're working. However, what the net effect is, is if I make my, uh, let's say, for instance, the, the, the serving staff at my restaurant now gets $15 an hour, what's going to ultimately happen is I'm gonna to have to fire half of my staff because I can't afford to keep them on the payroll anymore. And so this is also an area where you think, um, gosh, should I have, should minimum wage jobs be the kind of jobs that are supporting families going forward, that's actually your starting point. Minimum wage jobs are where people that are in college or high school should be going for that. And you should be trying to, to work up to a higher level. So there's a mentality thing there as well. But ultimately, raising the minimum wage hurts the very people that they say that it's supposed to benefit. And it actually puts small businesses out of, for, out of business. Okay, well, you went uh, on quite a, quite a, a little jaunt there, a little journey. Because well, it was, was talk it's part of the debate. Yeah, I was talking about the uh, Trump's repeated uh, comment on I prepaid millions of dollars, and I think it's going to come back and bite him in the ass. Let me let's go back to that because do you do you doubt that billionaires prepay their taxes? Yeah, 
Wow, that's uh, interesting because uh, actually Anne-Marie works in an accounting or worked for a, a firm that actually works with these very rich people. And that is what they do. Okay. So it's, uh, it's just something that uh, I think what to the point that you were making is that people just don't know and they're just going to believe what they want to believe. Well, that, that is my point is I think it is in the grand scheme of things, it's too complicated to say in sound bites. So you yeah. can either go with you only paid $750 in taxes or, or you pay no, almost nothing in taxes every year. And he can say, no, I prepay millions and millions of dollars in taxes. And it's all part of the same big can of soup that uh, you can't make sense of. Once again, you I can't think in that sound the, bites. You would have to do a three hour long diet. I agree. I, I think that the media, again, has done a disservice in this area because if they were actually doing the right thing as far as journalism goes, they would be explaining this to us and, uh, you know, and helping us to be able to break down what the truth is versus a lie. Whether Trump is cheating the system or not, I don't know. But I don't know, I don't know that he is and I don't know that he isn't. And personally, I think that if we don't know and we don't have the evidence, we have to give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, oh, but well. if there is evidence out there, that's what the news media is supposed to be doing. I, I think that, um, you know, we're, I, uh, we're not I'll, getting the evidence. I'll tell you straight up, I don't think that he's uh, lawfully cheating, illegally cheating. Uh, anything. I think that we just, uh, as I said before, our structure is for people with a whole lot of money to be able to invest, de-invest de and reinvest in certain areas to uh, and have creative accounting and bank accounts that will come up showing very little uh, to pay in taxes. That's just the way that it is here. So I no, don't I think, I, I don't think that you could, get into an ethical debate on it. I, I don't even care to do that, but I don't think that there is anything. I mean, if you got the IRS uh, climbing up him anymore, maybe they could find something somehow, some yeah, way. I'm pretty sure they're they doing always that. can. I'm yeah. sure the, the IRS But if they haven't yet, that. let's say that it's pretty unlikely that he's done anything clearly illegal. Yeah, I, okay? I would agree. If you, and you, you look at the this guy's probably the most investigated president that we've ever had. Oh, sure. I, I totally agree with that. And so so if that were just, out there, that would definitely be like, here it is, and it's not. So I think that we covered that enough because we still have – there's things that are going to come up. As far as the Hunter Biden thing and, and how it implicates Joe, we need more information at this time. So let's and just let that That's what I think that the, the, the mainstream media should actually investigate that. They oh, would, they should. Then they will. They've refused they're, they're gonna, to do that. That's, yeah. uh, that's where the whole Russian the disinformation thing. Yeah. thing. Exactly. Immediately, every mon mainstream media news network is armed with the, the buzzwords, Russia disinformation, and they all say it in unison over and over again until you believe it. There, there are two things I wanted to bring up here regarding the debate last night. One is the Joe Biden crime bill from 1993 or 1994 and how that was addressed, uh, where he said that he never said uh, that the, the super predator before. Uh, yeah, he did. 
Um, he is the guy that uh, sponsored the crime bill that uh, in, disproportionately put black men in prison and mandatory sentences. And I thought that Trump did do a good job of saying, okay, you're saying that you're going to do something about this, but you were in the presidential office for eight years and you didn't do anything about that. And you can go back to the YouTube and you can see exactly what happened right there. I thought that was an interesting piece. And again, you know, I, I think that the problem is that most people aren't going to go and research that and, and find out what the truth is. Secondly is the uh, court court stacking, court packing deal of the Supreme Court. Uh, Joe Biden did weigh in on that finally. And he said that uh, he believes that um, he would, or what he would do in the first hundred days of his presidency is he would create a commission to study the Supreme Court. Uh, he's not saying that he would pack the court, but he is saying that he would do a study on it because the court is getting out of whack. And um, we saw you had turned me on to the five last night to, to take a look at it. And Juan Williams was talking about this. And he was saying that the, well, the GOP is stacking the court and that's taking the rights away from women. Um, and, uh, and then he went to the Obama deal where Merritt Gar Garland wasn't allowed to, uh, was not appointed to the Supreme Court. And I think there's a lot more information that needs to be had on that. But saying that you're going to create a, a commission because the court's getting out of whack, the fact is, is that constitutionally, these, that, that you should be able to do what the Constitution says that you're allowed to do, which is fill those seats. If you want to change the seats in order to get the courts out of whack or back in whatever, back in whack, <laughs> um, and you're manipulating the system. I just think that there's more that we should be looking into. Again, I don't think the press is really reporting on this too much. Hmm. Uh, all right. I'm really ready to wind up. Do you have a final point on any of that? I don't. That was it. Um, I did. I do think that. Are we ready to w wrap up the show at this point? Jeez, I got a big question for you that I've been really wondering. Yeah. And it's a total different direction. Uh, if you could have any one superpower, what would it be? I'm tempted to say that I could fly, but I'm also thinking it would be good to be invisible sometimes. <laughs> I think those are the two most popular. <laughs> um, How about you? Well, it's interesting for me because I grew up reading comic books. I loved comic books and I loved the whole fantasy of the uh, superpowers. And although this isn't necessarily a superpower, I used to have dream. I loved Spider-Man. And I, I used to. I used to have dreams that I had as web shooters and yeah. that was the fun as a kid. That's the funnest toy you could ever have in your life. And so I would have these dreams that I'm spinning these webs and swinging around and stuff. And then it would get to a point where it's like, I start to realize it's a dream. And so they'd start coming out like silly string. And then <laughs> <laughs> and I would be trying to stay in the dream cause it's so cool. And then all of a sudden they're just like, not really coming out like, you know what? That is really interesting. So I would have these dreams too, not about the webs, the but flight. about flying. Me too. Yeah. And those too. I and I those are some of my favorite dreams that oh, I would yeah. have. But oh, here's yeah. the thing that 
was terrible is that I could never control where I was flying. <laughs> it was sort of like that, that show, The Greatest American yeah. Hero or whatever yeah. it was called. Mine were a lot like that too. Yeah, I could, and, and, and it would also be like, as soon as I would get kind of jazzed, say, hey, I'm flying, that's when it would really just go out of whack. I'd start being like, oh, now I'm going up, now I'm going down. Yeah. I could never and you go, get scared. Oh I'm my God, I go too high. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to crash. <laughs> what, what does that mean? That's I don't know. Terrible I've thing. Had, I've had all those as well. The flight thing, oh my God. Yeah. It'd be just like the, the web shooter thing. I would be flying, it'd be really cool, and then I'd go, Oh, well, this must be a dream. That'd be a, and I'd start like, you know, falling. Silly string. <laughs> well, you know, what's really cool about that. I always remember what? this. So when I'd start flying, I'd be like, am I really flying? Well, I'm looking at the treetops. So it's got to be real because I've never seen this perspective before and I see it in perfect detail. So it must be real. Do you, do you ever have that kind of a realization that you're dreaming yes. that your mind is manufacturing this perfect environment? Well, this would be more of what would happen to me is I would be in that real, oh my gosh, I'm actually, wait, I can't be flying. This must be, then I'd wake up. And yeah, like, I would oh. start. Then I'd try to go back to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> we tried to dream that again. Me too. And that would never work. Another superpower that I loved, I don't know why, I always wanted was that stretchy thing like plastic man. I could stretch my neck way out over there, my <laughs> arms, you know, I could stretch anywhere that I want. I always thought that was. Really did you cool. have that toy growing up stretch? on? Stretch, I, if not me, a neighbor did. I remember playing with it a little bit. We probably broke it in no time and that gel would come out of it. <laughs> disgusting gel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So those were fun. Uh, I know I had this conversation growing up all the time with my neighbors and it'd be like, what superhero would you want to be? Well, you got to go with Superman all day long. If you only had one choice, because he's got every superpower in the freaking world. But yeah, I always I hated mean, Superman because it was so absolutely unbelievable because a fight with him couldn't last 0.1% of a second because he's got this unbelievable super speed and heat vision. You know? Yeah, yeah. How, how can you beat this guy? And, and I always thought, boy, uh, Lex Luger is an idiot. Luther. Oh. oh. Luger. Lugie. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since I watched him as Superman. But uh, obviously, you've been reading those comic books. Oh, I grew um, up on it. Lex Luther. Luther. What an idiot. How are you going to beat that guy? Like, no it just seems like he was always just, you know, even if you have the kryptonite, I mean, you know, like, what are the, your chances of being able to put that on this guy and actually win? But, right. um, you know, uh, you're right. I Personally, I thought that Superman was really cool. And if I were going to be a superhero, that's exactly what I would be. And I did really like his whole truth justice and the american way thing yeah he was sort of the goody good guy mm -hmm. unlike spider-man was more like it, peter parker he had problems he, was a he has a teenager with problems and that's why uh and that was see superman was dc comics which was real way off fantasy utopian type stuff back in the day where marvel comics spider-man captain america stuff like that was more rooted in realism so it was as much about their alter egos 
or maybe even more so than it was their hero. They had problems. That's why you related to them. Peter Parker was nothing but every time he like had to go change into Spider-Man to save the day, he screwed up his personal life somehow. And it made it yeah. interesting. It did. Yeah. I, I think the whole concept of superheroes, I, I personally match it up with the Bible and say, you know, the true superhero is Jesus Christ. And you start to look at these superpowers that, that he has, that these superheroes have. Um, there's, there's a lot of similarities there when you start to look at it and also similarities to our humanness as you take a look at Peter Parker or the problems that we have, and then you compare that to the superpowers and then trying to fit into this world, um, you know, as a superhero and the problems that you have here and you take a look at your spiritual journey and how that can cause problems in your life as well, even with your relationships. It's a very interesting comparison to make. And I, I think there's, there's a study there that somebody can do or a book that somebody could write to make those comparisons. That would be pretty interesting. Uh, something that we didn't even touch on that we wanted to, as I recall, a couple of days ago, we talked it, uh, to what you just said. Politically, how it's torn up our personal relationships. You know what? This is something I really wanted to be able to talk yeah. about, but At I length. think we're, we're running out of time here. But I did want to bring up, as we're wrapping up the show here, uh, we did get a, uh, a pretty high compliment about our show. Uh, an old friend of mine wrote in that I have not been in touch with for at least 20 years. And she was used to be a neighbor of mine. And she wrote in that she had listened to the show. Uh, it was the one where it was Hallie's birthday. So this was back in September. She had listened to the show. She enjoyed the show. She said that she was, she actually uh, called herself, uh, she, that she was on the far left. And she brought up uh, the subject of, you know, hey, would you imagine if uh, these kids had gone to school this whole time and had not quarantined themselves and what would have been the consequences of that? Something we can talk about in a future show. Mm -hmm. But I think the big compliment is this, is here's somebody that's on seemingly the far left, neither one of us are, and she would have severe differences in the opinions that we have versus the opinion that she has. Mm -hmm. And yet she enjoyed the show, which speaks to the fact that this is the most important part of the show to me mm -hmm. is that here we can show by example, that two people who are very different from each other have very different opinions about things. I'm, I'm right. You're left. I'm black. You're white. I live on the West coast. You live in the, in the Midwest. Uh, I, I'm a Christian. You have more of, of, of a, a different spiritual. Unitarian. I'd call and, it Unitarian. And, okay. So, I mean, but yet we can come together, have differences, opinions, talk the truck through them. Maybe we agree to disagree, but we listen to each other. Sometimes we change our minds based on what the other one says. Sometimes we don't, and we still respect and love. I got to say something to that right there. I thought you made a very interesting point is that we have open mind. Our minds are open enough that we modify our beliefs. We're That's not a big hard deal. Set. It's really huge because you can't get closer to the truth unless that you're willing to uh, have more information enter in. I, I personally think that if people come into conversations and they will admit to themselves, like I do, I don't know everything. 
And right. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. And so let me listen to what this other person has to say. And let me just judge for myself. I think that's what makes America great. And that's and, what freedom of speech is about. You can throw out 75, even 90% of what they say because you don't like it. But if you listen, you're going to find at least 10% of a gem in there. Many of the things that we talked about today politically have everything to, at its root, it has everything to do with this concept of the American way of, hey, if we all get together with our differences of opinions and have an open mind, we can create a better world for not only ourselves, but also our kids and our kids' kids. And that's what I hope to, um, to give to the world through this show, especially on this anniversary. Congratulations, Barry. We made it through one year. I think that you are fantastic at what you do in everything that you do. You've done such a great job with the show. Uh, your, your personality is great. And by the way, I have friends, lots of them that listen to the show. And the first thing they say is, I love that Barry guy. Oh, man, that's <laughs> and so, awesome. Congratulations to you. It's been a great year. I'm looking forward to the next year of being Me able too. to do this with you. I'm excited about next week's show. Season, Season three. three. Yeah, how yeah. about that? That's oh, um, amazing. It's a, it's a great accomplishment. And I want to say thank you to Deb who wrote in last week who I was yes. talking about. Yes. And uh, thank you to all the people that uh, patron our show. I think it's fantastic that you're with us. We love you. And keep on listening. There's more to come. Barry? Uh, I really appreciate everything you said. And the show wouldn't be wouldn't even be half this without you. Your preparation, your, uh, your allegiance to the Constitution, your, your belief system, your decency as a human being that you bring onto the show. I, I can't say enough about it, but it's a, it's a classic case of the sum being bigger than the parts because it's our chemistry, it's our friendship that is the basis for the show. I know that. I know that for sure. Uh, that's why we got started, because I, we would be wasting all these phone calls, you and I, hour long, hour and a half long phone calls, and never recording them. It bothered the hell out of me. It really did, because <laughs> I remember that. they were so fun and so engaging, and I just always said, oh, God, these should be a podcast. I listen to podcasts all day, every day. I know what a good podcast is. So uh, it couldn't be this without you. And again, the preparation that you do, I just want to say that it certainly does not go unnoticed. It is clearly your passion. Your passion is brought forth on here. Thank you for that. I want to say one thing from the, on the lighter side is, do you realize that the Free, Fleetwood Mac's Rumors album, The Dreams single, re-entered the top 10 for the first time after a 42-year absence because of that TikTok video? Have you heard about that? That guy, middle-aged guy on a, on a skateboard, uh, lip-syncing. His name's Nathan uh. Apodaca. <laughs> you heard, you've heard of that, no, didn't you? I didn't actually, no. Well, yeah, so he's just lip-singing Dreams from the Fleetwood Mac Rumors album from 42 years ago. Dude, it's on the top 10 again. People that never heard of Fleetwood Mac in that song are now like, this is the best. Do, that, do you remember the Fleetwood Mac Rumors album? Of course. And oh, I it's so good. Even the name of that, just Dreams, it, it, there's, there's something about that. So Look, that's good. In, how powerful Dreams actually are. 
Oh my it's God. Amazing. So I just, guys look that if you haven't heard it in a while, look up dreams on a uh, fleet and Mac dreams on YouTube. Give that a listen to again. That entire album is classic beyond classic and it deserves to be back. It deserves to be um, opened up to this whole new audience yet again. It really does. So good. Hey, let's wrap it up, Barry. Absolutely. So go to over50startingover.com. Sign up for our email list. You get everything right to your email box. You can even sign up for our, our Facebook page right from there. Merle, love you so much. I love can't wait too, to Barry. talk to you next week for season three. We'll talk All to right. you soon.